Good morning, RCC. Uh, welcome back to our Psalms of the Summer. Uh, about 15 years ago, uh, I took a trip with Ashley and her family to a little place called France. Never been there before, and so it was a pretty cool experience. Um, but while we were there, we decided that we were going to go to a place called the Louvre. Now, the Louvre is a famous museum with all kinds of uh, famous uh, art, magnificent famous art that's there. And there is a little painting there that you might be familiar with called the Mona Lisa. Um, and we were excited about seeing the Mona Lisa there. Now, I've got to just gotta kind of put all my cards out there from the beginning. I'm just kind of a, a Southern kid from uh, Southern Ohio, right? Pretty uncultured and unrefined in most things of my life. And so my eyes had never really seen famous art before, anything beautiful like famous art. I mean, I, I had uh, put together some pretty mean art sculptures in my art class and brought them home to my mom when I was a kid and be like, here, look at my stuff. And she's like, oh, that's so great. But we both know that it probably wasn't that great at all, right? And so there's no real beauty that my eyes had seen at that point. And so while we were there at the Louvre, I was pretty excited to see this Mona Lisa picture that was there. Well, there, the place was really crowded, and so we worked our way through the crowd, and we finally made it into the room that the Mona Lisa was in. And then we walked in like, oh, there it is, way over there. And she was way over there. The end of the line was way back there. And the line was kind of slinkied in and out of the room. And I was like, oh my goodness, how long is it going to take us to get through that line? Well, apparently it takes about an hour to get through that line. And so we waited there for an hour to see this picture. And when we got to the front of the line, I, I'm not joking with you, okay? It was like three seconds. We were there looking at it for three seconds, this little picture that was about, I mean, it wasn't that big at all. And it was behind so many different sheets of glass so nobody could mess with it. Um, you couldn't take pictures of it. You just had to look at it. But for three seconds, we got to look at it before we were kind of herded like cattle to get out of the way so the person behind us could see the picture as well. But I've got to say, guys, like if I'm being honest, the Mona Lisa didn't really do anything for me at all. Like I was not impressed. There was nothing about the Mona Lisa that was like awe-inspiring for me at all. Now, if you're an art enthusiast at home and you're watching this and that breaks your heart, like I'm sorry, but really the Mona Lisa like didn't really do anything for me. I was like, what's such the, what's such the big deal about this painting? I mean, she's not even smiling, right? It just really wasn't a big deal for me. But you want to know what does impress me? Do you want to know what can make my jaw drop in an instant? Now, I'll tell you, it's the sunset. Man, I, I, can, I can walk out on, on an evening and look and see uh, clouds speckled around in the sky. And when the sun is setting and there are purples and blues and oranges and pinks that are spread throughout those clouds, man, that is something in my heart that nothing else can do. There's such a beauty and a masterpiece of work in that that just causes all the bubble up inside of me. And there are times when I'll be standing outside and I'll, I'll, I'll look at the kids and I'll be like, hey guys, look. The Lord is painting a masterpiece tonight. And I'll just stand there mesmerized by the beauty that my eyes get to see. I'm going to ask you, what causes your jaw to drop like that? Is there anything in the created world that just kind of stirs up this sense of, of awe inside of you when, when you kind of see it? I want to read uh, Psalm 19 with you this morning. 
And I want to read Psalm 19 because there are two things that David talks about that stirs this awe up inside of him that when he sees it, he just stands there with jaw open, mesmerized by the masterpiece of that work, okay? And, and here, here are the two things. That, and I'm gonna, like, if, if you like, don't like the spoiler alert, here's the spoiler alert. If you like to wait to the end when you get the main kind of a thing, I want you to know, like, here's the main thing on the very beginning, right? The thing that David can't take his mind off of and the thing that he can't rip his eyes away from, here's the thing. The way that God is revealed in creation and the way that God is revealed in his word. God revealed in creation and God revealed in his word. Those two things kind of just take David's breath away and leave him standing there speechless, pen in hand, writing what he sees and writing what he hears. I want you to read along with me in Psalm 19 if, you, if you've got your Bible, okay? Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless." and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Okay, the way that David writes this psalm, it just kind of naturally breaks down into three different pieces, okay? And when David writes, he says, there is an awe when I look at creation, when I see God in creation. There is an awe that is inspired inside of me when I look and I see God revealed in his word. And in those two things, it causes something inside of me to respond to both his creation and to respond to him through his word. And I think it's the same for us. As we read this, it kind of breaks down into three sections for us. That as we read it, we see God revealed in his creation. We see him revealed in his word. And then if we allow that to, we respond appropriately to, to what we read here. Okay, so let's just jump in here. Uh, let's try to put ourselves in David's shoes. David, he's, he's sitting here, he's writing pen in hand. Remember, Psalms are expressions of the heart. And so he's expressing his heart. He's got pen in hand and he's writing this thing down. And we don't know where he's at. We, we don't know uh, what situation is going on to make him write this. We have no idea where he's at. But he's, ex he's expressing things that his eyes have seen in the past. Or he may even be expressing something that his eyes are looking at right then. 
as he's writing this psalm. It, it, I, I like to imagine, like, maybe he's, he's looking up at the sky, right? Maybe he's, like, been working really hard. Like, he's king, and he's been out there king and doing his thing, and he needs a break because people are taxing him, and, and war is difficult, and so he's just ready to take a break. And so may, maybe for him, he's like, you know what? I need to take a break. Uh, I need to take the whole morning off, or I need to take a few 15 minutes here. But whatever it is, I like to imagine that he's sitting there, and he's looking up there at the sky, Maybe he's looking at a beautiful sunset, and, and, or he's watching a beautiful sunrise, and as he watches the sun rise, it's just kind of taking his breath away and causing this sense of awe to begin to stir up inside of him. And he takes the pen in hand, and he has the pen in hand. He just starts writing away. He's like, man, I look at the sky, and I see your handiwork, God. I, and I look around, and I see the trees, and I see the grass, and I see the water that's going around in the brooks and in the rivers, and I see the oceans, and I see the beach, or I see the waves that are coming in, they're crashing on the rocks, or they're crashing on the beaches. And everywhere I look, I see your glory. And everywhere I look, I hear your glory. I see you being revealed everywhere I look amongst your creation. Do you know what David's doing here? He's looking around and he's saying, Lord, I see your creative hand at work. I see your glory at work. The, the world that you've created, it's crying out. It's singing out praises to you. And although they have no words, although they have no speech that's available to them, they are screaming out your praises and they are screaming and crying out and singing out your glory. Nonetheless, they don't have words, but they are praising you. And the whole world is benefiting as a result. See, there's a, a theological term known as general revelation. And uh, general revelation, it, it means that anyone, regardless of their background, anyone can look around at the created world. And if they're honest with themselves, right? Now, honesty has, has kind of been pushed away in our culture right now when it comes to bringing us back to the truth of God. But if, we're, if we allow ourselves to be honest with ourselves for just a moment, when we look at the handiwork of the created world, we can see the handiwork of, uh, of a creator. And if we allow the handiwork of the creator and the beauty with which we see, and we, allow, we allow it to take us one step further, what we'll see is that this masterpiece was created by a wonderful and a powerful creator, that this thing didn't just happen, that there was a creator who grabbed his brush and he painted that thing and he put it together, right? That's general revelation. That is God being revealed throughout his creation. Listen how David beautifully writes about it here. He says, day after day and night after night, the heavens are crying out and they're crying out praise and the message is going out and it's going out to the ends of the earth. It's going out to the whole world. There is nobody who is not hearing. There is nobody who is not seeing the created handiwork of God. It, it's really the same thing that, that Paul says in Romans chapter 1, right? That everywhere you look, that there is nobody, nobody who's without excuse when it comes to seeing God in creation. There's nobody who's without excuse. All of creation points people back to a creator, hands down. There's just no question about that. Now, it doesn't tell people, general revelation, it doesn't tell people everything about the creator, right? But it does tell us enough to know that there is a creator. And that does tell us enough that there's a creator that we need to find out more about. There's a creator that we need to get to know, that we need to search out his ways. But what David shows here 
is that the Lord, he doesn't just create the world. He doesn't just create the universe even. He holds everything together. He sustains the world that he's created too. David says, look at the sun. I mean, if you need an example of this glory, like take a look at the sun. It goes up and it comes down. It goes up and it comes down. Day after day, day after day, it goes up and it comes down. It creates the seasons. It creates the warmth that the earth receives. There is this glory that the sun has that, that helps the world to exist. And if the sun didn't exist, the world as we know it wouldn't even exist. And David says, guys, look at the sun. Every day it comes marching out with the sunrise. Every day it's like trumpet in hand. And as that trumpet sounds, it is singing out and proclaiming the majesty of God. He says it's like a bridegroom. He says it comes out like a warrior or a runner who's ready to run the race. But I want to zero in on this bridegroom idea, right? Uh, it, it's, he says it's like the, the groom on his wedding day. Now, ladies, this might be upsetting for you for, for, just, for just a second, but I think you'll be able to adapt to it, okay? Now, we know that the wedding day, like, that's yours, right? Like, you, you are helping to plan. You're trying to bring uh, hubby into the planning as well. But you know that on, on the wedding day, people are coming to see you, right? They're coming to see you and your dress. They're coming to see you and your dad, if you've got a dad in the picture. They're coming to see you walk down the aisle. They're coming to see you in the beautiful ambiance that you've created for that day. They want to see you. Fellas, I'm just sorry. That's not our day, right? Like, we get to be there. We get to get married. But that's just, I mean, they're there to see the bride. They're not really there to see the groom. But can I tell you this? That hasn't always been historically the case. Like you're the focus now, brides, but historically the groom was actually the main attraction. He was the big focus. And you're like, well, I'm glad things have changed. Well, I'm glad they have too, right? Because we don't want people looking at us. Ladies, we, 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 want, we want you to enjoy that day, right? But historically, it was about the groom. And when the groom would come out of the front door, him to come busting out on the wedding day, the whole town was there to see. All the community came there to watch to see what is he dressed up in. Like he is coming out in his finest attire. And it was kind of like, you know, who's he wearing? What's he wearing? Like he was getting ready to walk down the red carpet and go down the aisle sort of a thing. They want to see what does he look like. And as he walks down the street with everybody watching him, that he is just beaming with joy, man, because he knows that he's getting to marry the girl of his dreams, man. She is there waiting on him, and when he gets there, the wedding day is going to take place. They are going to be united, and the whole village is there, and they're taking part in this, and they would be watching for when he would be coming out of the house, and they would be ready to celebrate and make this huge deal about it. The idea here is that no one can miss the fact that the groom was coming down the street. The idea is that nobody can miss the fact that the sun was coming up in all of its glory. The idea was that nobody can miss the glory of God in creation. What David is saying is that you can't miss the revelation of God's glory in the rising and the falling of the sun. God has made himself known to everyone without pretense to what their background is. And you can reject it, okay? You can reject it because you don't want to follow it. You can reject it because you don't want to believe it, but you can't honestly deny 
what your eyes are seeing. You can't deny that beauty requires a beautician. You can't deny that a masterpiece requires an artist. You can't deny that a watch requires a watchmaker, right? You just can't deny that sort of a thing. God has been revealed in his creation. And at that, David's jaw just drops and it hits the ground when he thinks about the beauty of God as the creator, but also as he thinks about the beauty of God as a sustainer who holds everything together. I I, want to ask you, when you walk outside your front door and you look around at the creation and you look up at the sky, does it bring the sense of awe in you? Is, is there something that causes you to just kind of bubble up in the sense of awe and your jaw drop? Does it lead you to a place of worship like this? For David, it caused him to rejoice. For David, he sits there, jaw down, mouth open, speechless. Speechless. But in verse 7, David makes a transition. He transitions from an all in God revealed in creation to an all of God revealed in his written word, right? In the law. For him, it was the law then. It's, it's the cumulative aspect of his written word to us now. And so I've got to be honest, though. I, I think that this is where things can get a little bit dicey for most of us, right? Most of us, we can generally look around and we can make the observation that there is a God and that God has created things and he's created the things that we see because that's a general revelation uh, for us. But there's also something that's called special revelation, a specific revelation to us where God moves us beyond just the the things that our eyes see and and he reveals himself specifically to us in special ways. He reveals himself fully to us. He, he reveals himself with full transparency in his written word, in scripture, in, in, our, in our Bibles. In, in your Bible, God wants to reveal to you who he is. He wants to reveal who he is specifically to you. Now, I, I, I want to ask you to do something, okay? Some of you might be sitting there and, and you've got your Bible on your lap and it's in your hand and you're taking notes. But that's not true of all of us right now. If you have a Bible in your house or in your car or somewhere in proximity to you and you don't have it in your hands right now, I want you to take the time to actually go get it, okay? No matter where it's at in your house or wherever you're at, please go get it. If you want to, you can send one of the kids uh, to go get it as well. Uh, In our house, when we want uh, to speed up the process, uh, we will uh, count one, two, three to our kids just to see how fat, if they can make it back before we get to three. But I'm going to take three seconds here for you to run and go grab your Bible and then bring it back, okay? So here we go. You ready? One, two, two and a half, three. Okay, did you get it? You got your Bible? Go ahead and open it up in front of you, okay? I want you, as you look at that word, as you look at, those aren't just, pa- those aren't just words on the page. Those are God's special and specific words that are written just for you. Now, it's true that, that these are words that God has used throughout all of humanity for anybody who's read it to, to lead people to himself and so that they can fully know him. But as you read the word, as you open up the word, the Holy Spirit does something with the text and causes it to be specifically for you, and he reveals himself to you. So as you hold your Bible in your hands, those words that you're looking at, those are for you. They're not for somebody else. The Bible is for you to get into and to experience the Lord, okay? He wants to reveal what he's done. 
He wants to reveal to you who he is. He wants to reveal his ways to you. He wants to reveal his plans to you. He wants to reveal his deep, deep love for you. He wants to show you his son, Jesus. He wants, you to, show, he wants to show you what salvation looks like. He wants to show you what living out of our salvation looks like. He wants to show you what citizenship looks like and how we live with him. Like he wants to walk with you as you walk with him. He wants to bring you to a place where you know all about him, and not just this head knowledge, right? He, he wants you to know all about him, that this knowledge that works from your, your head down into this heart knowledge that, that, that takes you to this place, that you know him, and that what you know about him leads you to a place of worship, leads you to a place where this all bubbles up inside of you, that not just of God of creation, but a God who specifically reveals himself to you in his word. But guys, if I'm honest, this is my fear, okay? If statistics tell us anything, and if our life experiences tell us anything about how often and how intensely we are actually pursuing God through his word, the word that you're holding in your hands right now, if, if, if stats and life experiences tell us anything, we know that this is probably the most neglected part of the Christian life, isn't it? We know that getting into God's word is probably one of the most neglected parts of a brother and sister in Christ's life, right? Now, at the same time of knowing that, we know that this is probably the most crucial aspect of the Christian life because this is where we get to know the God who's revealed himself in creation. The, the word of God reveals this, this big God who's created everything and, and shows how he practically wants you to walk and live with him. Now, if we think about it, right, in, in terms of, of food, I know I've been talking about food for the last couple of weeks, um, but I, I think it's just because I miss being around you guys and being able to sit down and have a meal with you just sitting around the table, right? Uh, but if we think about this in terms of food, this is an area of the spiritual life that kind of gets most neglected and, and if we're honest, becomes kind of malnourished. Now, in the realm of food, if, if um, I want to be strengthened in my body, I'm going to eat. And when I eat, the nutrients from that food, it fills the places of my body that need to grow. It nourishes my body. Now, here's the flip side of that. If I don't eat for a prolonged time, what begins to happen is malnourishment begins to take place. There's an atrophy that begins to take place in my body. My body begins to atrophy, my muscles begin to atrophy, but it's not just my body, but the different parts of my body begin to shut down. Like in my mind, my thinking begins to become atrophied. My reasoning begins to become atrophied. My rationale, my decision-making processes, it all begins to become atrophied. Now, if we were to take that and overlay it on our spiritual life, I think it's the same. When we are not being nourished by the Word of God, there's a spiritual atrophy that begins to take place. We, we, our thinking begins to be affected. Our rationale begins to be affected. Our, our, our joy begins to be affected. Everything about our life is impacted um, positively by God's word and negatively when we're not in it, okay? We talked about this last week when we said we can enjoy different aspects of the Christian life. We can enjoy fellowship with brothers and sisters. We can enjoy community. We can even delve into life groups and community groups and small groups with one another where we, as a group, we study the word of God together. But we'll never fully grow. Um, we'll, we'll never fully grow and know Jesus to a, a place where we delight in him, where we feel like he is all that we need and we delight in him without the word of God, okay? We, we just won't. At best, 
we're going to be malnourished believers if we're not being nourished by the Word of God. And, and I, I think that's true, not just out of God's Word. Uh, it's true here, but I think it's true even of our, our, our own experience, right? If, if you're a believer in Jesus, there's most likely times in your life where you've had these extreme highs where you just have felt close with God, but there's probably these, these extreme lows where you've just felt like it, you're distant from Him, and you may even be feeling one of those extremes right now. You're in a season where I just feel really close to Him, or you're in a season where you just feel really distant from Him. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there, and maybe even go out on a limb and say that this is probably the experience of your closeness is probably somewhat related to your connection to God through His Word, right? That our proximity and our feelings of closeness with Him comes from us being connected in His Word. Now, here's something that I have to say uh, for us as we even begin to think about that and mull on that and meditate on that in our mind. Um, If you're a believer in Christ, the, the feeling of closeness, it, it's not because you've somehow lost approval from God or gained approval from Him, right? Like, like your closeness doesn't waver up and down like if God is happy with you or if He's mad at you because that doesn't happen. You have security and you have approval with God on Jesus' behalf. Like it, it's based on Him and on His work that He's done. It's not based on you. It's based on Him. And, and so there's nothing that we've done in our past that's going to make Him love us more or less. There's nothing in our future that's going to make Him love us uh, any more or less as well, as well. It's all based on what God has done on your behalf. And as you trust Him, as you trust Christ, you've entered into the family of God and you are fully approved, fully accepted, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so our feeling of closeness has nothing to do with whether he's turned his back on us or not. And we have to make him turn back around and smile at us again. Our experience of closeness with God is linked directly to our time with him in his word, right? There are things that add to our closeness with him but when we feel separated, I'm, my guess is that it comes down to our proximity with him according to his word. David here, he's in awe of God as he sees God sustaining the whole creation as the creator. But he's also in awe as he sees and he loves how God sustains his people through the word of God. And you may be sitting here thinking like, man, the Word of God has, has no impact on my life, positively or negatively. Like, if I've got Jesus, I've got enough. I don't need to open up the Scriptures. I mean, it's probably good for you if you do. Um, it's good for him or it's good for her, but, like, it's really not that big of a deal if I open up God's Word or not. Or, or you might even be sitting there thinking, like, man, I want to open up the Word. I, I do. Like, I, I want to be in God's Word. I want to be in His truth. But I feel like you've just got to be a scholar I feel like you've got to have a college education and you've got to have a Bible degree and you've gone to seminary to understand what these words are are saying. Well, listen to me. I think being in God's word is important. And at the same time, I don't think you have to be a scholar to figure out what God's saying because he wants to reveal himself to you. He truly does. Listen to how David talks about how practical God's word is for us, how practically it makes a difference in our world. So if you're just thinking like, God's word doesn't matter, it doesn't change anything in my life, I want you to hear how it does. David would argue with us here. He says his instruction is perfect. It leads to a renewed life. And so, it, like, his word is perfect. It, it's not lacking in anything. Everything that his word speaks to, it's true. It perfectly speaks to that thing. And it leads to a renewed life. 
And so if you're walking around and you're saying, well, you know, uh, I just don't feel close to God. I just don't feel like he's near me. I'm just kind of walking around. I feel kind of, I don't have any energy. I'm a little bummed out. I don't know what's going on. What David would say is like, hey, being in God's word makes a difference. His instruction is perfect. It will lead you to renewed life. It will lead you to a, a, a renewed energy in your walk with him. So he says, get into the word. He says his testimony is trustworthy. And that testimony, his word, it's trustworthy and it leads to wisdom. It helps people step away from a life of foolishness. And it leads them into a path and a walk into wisdom. It helps people to grow up in Christ. It helps somebody who's new, be, uh, a new baby believer to grow up in Christ. It helps somebody who, who hasn't uh, had a background in Christ to, to know how do I walk in, in connection with Him. It helps us to grow up in Him. And so when we walk with Him, we have joy. This is what he, what he says next. His precepts are right. They're right. His word is right. When we walk in them, we have joy and we have a gladness uh, of, of heart. And, and so if you personally, you're just kind of in this space like, man, I, I feel like my spirit is crushed. Or I feel like my heart is just like... It doesn't beat like it used to, or I'm not excited about him like I used to be, or I'm not excited about the things of God like I used to be. And man, there's, maybe there's, there's just this depression that is just overwhelming in you right now. What David says, if you're in that place, he says, open up the truth or let God reveal himself to you in his word. Like there's a gladness of heart. There's a rejoicing of heart that begins to take place when you open up it. Like his word is practical. It gives you a practical closeness and connection to him. It changes our experience of of a relationship with him. Do, Do you see how this works here? His word leads us to a better experience with him. His word leads us to better closeness with him. David says his commands are radiant and they open up my eyes. See how he used the word of God here? There's a connection between him reading God's word, him being subject to God's word, and how he lives. He says, God, your word is good. And when I read it and I apply it, it leads me to life. And... I think David wholeheartedly believes this to be true. Don't you? As you read this, don't you think David actually believes what he's saying here? I think he believes it so much so that he feels the freedom to pour his heart out in worship. I wonder if, if you and I, if we actually believe that God's word matters like this. I, I wonder if we believe that this is true, like not fundamentally or, or not just in theory, but I wonder if we practically and experientially believe that this word is true like that, that it matters that we open up the scripture that you're holding in your hands right now and allow him to specifically reveal himself to us and how we're to live. I wonder if we really believe that it matters. Because when we do, here's what David says happens. His words become sweeter than honey dripping from the honeycomb. They become sweeter than honey and more precious than gold, more precious than priceless gold for us. But guys, listen to me. I know this isn't easy. I know we go through ups and downs. We go through hills and valleys. And in my own personal life, man, I've had these moments where I just had skyrocket moments with the Lord. And there are moments where I've just felt in the valley. There are moments where I've been standing on the hill just rejoicing at a closeness with Him. And there are moments where I've just felt like this dark night of the soul. When am I ever going to feel 
good about my relationship? When am I ever going to feel anything again? And if I'm being honest, there are moments where God's word has been sweeter than honey to me. But there are moments too where I've had zero appetite to be in God's word. And I hope that this is a, an opportunity and a forum where we can be honest with one another and we can be honest with ourselves. And in those moments where I haven't had an appetite for his word, there's malnourishment that takes place, right? That there, there's some atrophy that takes place. It affects my thinking. It affects my relationships. It affects the way I see myself and the way that I see people around me. It affects the decisions that I make as well. And, but what I found, though, is that God doesn't stop loving me when I'm, when I'm down in the valley, okay? He just, he just does it. And he doesn't love me more when I'm riding high on the hill and I'm in his word deeply as I should be, uh, where I'm being nourished by him. But what I found is even though his affection of me doesn't change in the high or the low moments, he's sad for me in the fact that, I don't in, I, that I'm not enjoying the sweetness and the closeness with him through his word. He knows that when I'm not diving into the word that he's specifically given for me, that I don't get to, that I'm missing out on the sweetness with him. I'm missing out on wisdom that he wants to give me. I'm missing out on, on truths that he wants to drop in my life. I'm missing out on allowing him to combat lies that I might be believing. I'm missing out on mentoring that comes from the word. I'm missing out on navigating the world in such a way that he would want me to navigate the world so that I experience him and I experience the world fully in the way that brings him glory and that brings me good. Because I, I want you to know, no matter where you are in your growth as a believer this morning, God, he wants to reveal himself to you. That's why he took the time to, to, to have the biblical authors pin these words down. That, that's why he took the time to speak to them so that they could write down what he's given them to write. That's why he's preserved his word over all of these years, because he wants you to know him. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him truthfully. He wants you to know him fully in his own words, not by somebody else's experience, not by an old experience, not, not, not by what somebody else has said, not by what I've said or what you've heard some other pastors preach, right? He wants you to know him by his own words that he said about himself and that he said about you in his word. And if we aren't diving into it, we're missing out on a sweetness of a relationship with him that, that we just can't have apart from this awe of his word. And so I, I'm guessing that you've had some ups and you've had some downs. You've had some close moments and you've had some difficult moments. And, and I want you to know that you're not alone in that. There are people that are all over the map in their closeness with the Lord. Now, actually, I, I want you to um, watch this very quick video uh, of some of my friends just talking about what their experience of closeness with the Lord has looked like and, and what their pursuit of the Lord in the scriptures has looked like over the years. So please enjoy this uh, few minutes here. When I became a Christian, I remember wanting to read the Bible for myself and to really study it for myself and I had the hardest time. I didn't understand it. I didn't, um, I just couldn't get into it. It was boring to me. And But I would bring my Bible to church and like bring it to Bible studies and I would just like try so hard. And then there was a time where um, I had some friends that I was with and they they prayed for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And literally the, the next day that um, 
I went to read my Bible, it was a whole different experience. And I felt like God just gave me understanding. He gave me a hunger. He gave me um, just an excitement. Uh, it's like I couldn't get enough. And so it was a really cool experience for me. And um, the one of the verses that really means a lot to me now because I feel like I know it personally is it's in the Gospel of John it's chapter 14 verse 26 and it says but the helper the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you and that word teach I looked it up in the Greek and it actually means like a tutor or someone who will direct you and guide you and put things in your mind. And so I feel like the Holy Spirit has done that for me as I read my Bible and it's very exciting and anyone can experience it. When I first decided to live surrendered to the Lord, I really wanted to grow in my faith. And so I was discipled by a, a woman and I, she was like, well, you need to have a daily quiet time, spend time daily with the Lord. And so I, I was disciplined and I put that into my life. But sometimes it was kind of um, dry, you know, as you're just reading a passage, sometimes you're just reading it for information. And then I think I must have heard a sermon because I don't think I came up with this on my own. But it was... Um, on he, with Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it was really brought home to me that the word of God changes a person. But you probably aren't going to be changed just by reading. You have to really slow down and meditate on a verse. You know, it's kind of like, search me, O God, and know my heart. And let the verse bring that out. What is in your heart and what does God want to deal with? And so for meditation, it was a quick step to scripture memorization. And I would say more than any other thing, scripture memorization changed my life. Because when God would bring an issue to me, whether it was, let's say I had an issue. I remember one point in my life I had an issue with forgiveness. I felt someone had grievously wronged me. And um, I was reading and Colossians 3 and there's a verse in there about forgiving one another just as God has forgiven you and I was just so convicted by that and I thought I want I need to be able to forgive this person and so I memorized that verse there's something about committing a verse to memory that it you it makes you slow down and think of each phrase and each word and it took time but that slowly changed me and I use God's word for whatever issue I'm having. Um, I used to be really fearful. And so I would go to fear. That was my emotion. So I memorized so many verses in the Psalms dealing with fear. So that when I recognized um, a fearfulness in me, I could substitute. I would say, quit being fearful and substitute it with this truth. You know, the steadfast of mind that will God God will keep in perfect peace. And it would just remind me. And, and I've seen the word of God change me in different issues. So if you're, you need to be a student of yourself and what your issues are. And let God change you by using his word. Um, there's nothing better. I'd always known that as a Christian, you know, I was, I was supposed to read the Bible. Um, but that wasn't really like a great reason to do it. And I never really got passionate about God's Word until I became friends with 
a guy who, you know, was about my age, who really loved God's Word and knew how to use it in his daily life. And so what I mean is, I'd be talking with him, and he'd be talking about struggling um, in different ways and things that he's facing, and then he would go back to the Bible and say, this is the scripture that I'm holding on to to get me through this. Or, you know, he's facing some temptation, and he would go back to, the Lord is the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and he just kept holding on to that. And um, it was the first time where I ever really saw how God's truth can impact someone's daily life and the power that can come by holding on to God's promises. And so that really gave me a taste of the goodness for God's word. And so it wasn't just, you know, something that I felt Christians needed to do because they were Christians, but I realized this is something Christians need to do because they need to know God's truth uh, to be able to follow him, to be able to stand against temptation, to be able to become more and more like Jesus, they need God's, needs God's truth. And so for me, that just changed the way I looked at the Bible. And uh, I started reading on my own. And there's been different seasons, you know, times where I felt really close to God, times where um, I wasn't as into it. But I can honestly say the last few years for me, uh, just really getting into a consistent habit of getting up in the morning, having a cup of coffee, um, getting my journal, praying about things, and then reading God's Word has been awesome. And then even more recently, um, talking with my life group about uh, God's Word on a daily basis, and then uh, my wife and I too, sitting down, um, trying to do it every day, where we just talk about what God's teaching us through His Word has been so encouraging and um, just really keeps helping me um, pursue God's truth. So. I've just found uh, a love for God's Word and a need for it in my own life because I know that when I'm in uh, His Word, when my heart is open to hear from Him, just my walk with Him is better. Guys, I, I hope that was super helpful uh, for you guys. I watched those videos uh, earlier this week, and man, it was like medicine to my soul. It was an encouragement and a challenge for me to keep pressing into the Lord and opening up His Word. I want to finish up right, right quick with this. I want, to, I want you to listen to how David wraps up this psalm. Like, this is, this is real life for him, right? This is real practice for him. This is what God's Word applied to his life and to our life does. This is what a life sustained by God's glory, like that it's sustained by God's Word. This is what it looks like. This is real life response to God's glory in creation, to God's glory in his Word. Verse 11, moreover, by them is your servant warned, talking about the word, and keeping them there is great reward. It does matter, he says. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. He says, there are things that I jump into that I don't even know that I'm doing. Lord, would you reveal those to me? Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. In, in other words, there are things that I don't know I do. Show me those. There are things that I know that I'm doing that I just jump headlong into. Would you correct me in those moments and lead me out of those? And he says, then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. <laughs> Guys, as we close right now, I want to give you two challenges this week. And they're both, both deeply practical, okay? Nothing difficult for us. The first thing is, this week, I want you to set aside some time where you just walk outside, and maybe it's for five minutes, ten minutes, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's uh, the whole morning or the whole afternoon, okay? But you set aside some time where you go out, 
and you just take time to pause and to look at creation. Look at the sky, look at the trees, look at the, the water, just look at the surroundings around you and let those things cause an awe of the creator who is revealing himself to you in those things and let it drive you to a place of worship. Maybe you take a pen and you take some paper and you write those things down and you pray what, those things back to God that he is revealing to you. Uh, that would be such a cool thing if you wanted to do that. Um, maybe you sing them back to God also, uh, those of you who like to sing. But the second thing I want to do that is so deeply practical as well is I want you to set aside some time also just to simply open up God's word and to hear what he has for you. And, and specifically, open up Psalm 19, okay? That's what we've been teaching this morning. Open up Psalm 19 and hear what God has for you. As you open it up, I, I would ask that you would just kind of pause and reflect on what you read. Read through it, but read through slowly. And as you read through slowly, reflect on uh, these things that we've talked about. Reflect on what's being read or what you're reading in there. And then, as David does at the end, I, I want to ask that you would pray that the Lord would just kind of open up your eyes to let you see clearly just how deeply practical His Word is and how it, 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 if you allow Him to, it will reveal some areas of your life that you don't even know anything about that's going on and that He's going to pull those out out of the dark and let you see them and get rid of them. And, but also to know the things that, man, I'm just diving headlong into these, but you allow Him to reveal that to you in such a way that the sweetness of following Him into it and responding to Him in His Word would be like honey dripping from a comb for you uh, this week. And so allow yourself to read, listen, and respond to the Word of God. And then maybe, maybe in that place, we find this awe of the God who's revealed Himself in creation, but awe in God who's revealed Himself in His written Word to us as well. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you. Let me pray for us. Father, you are so good to us. Your word is so sweet. Nourish us through it. Give us an appetite for it. And if we don't see a need for it in our life, I pray, Lord, that you would create a hunger inside of us that does and that you would see that we were missing out on a sweetness with you if we miss out on being in your word. Give us a hunger for it, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, guys.